This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Spud and Chloe, sweet yarns for real life. Find out more by visiting www.spudandchloe.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello everyone, thank you for joining me back for episode 51 and the beginning of season 6 of Never Not Knitting. I know it's been a long time. The last time I recorded was way back in February, right after the Stitches West convention. And I tell ya, it's been so long, I am not quite sure what to do with myself. I feel so completely out of practice here but hopefully I'll get back into the swing of things soon. So much has happened in the past couple of months. There is just a lot to catch you up on. Starting with this. Early on in the year, I had an idea, and I decided that I would try and put out a design collection this year. And that basically means that I'm planning a group of knitwear designs around a certain theme, And instead of releasing them one at a time, as I design them, like I normally do, instead I would hang on to them and release them together as a group. I started thinking and formulating this idea very early in the year, but I was planning on actually knitting and starting up these designs right after stitches. As you might remember, my time spent right before the convention was absolutely crazy. I was basically running around like a headless chicken, trying to get everything ready and knit up and organized before the show. It was a huge undertaking, but well worth it. Anyways, stitches came and went, and you can hear all about my experiences there in the last episode, episode 50.5, because I recorded on the floor of the convention. So listen to that if you'd like to hear what the experience was like. So anyways, after stitches, After everything calmed down and all of that was behind me, I spent a blissful couple of weeks starting this new design collection. I was surrounded by new yarn, I was swatching, and I was sketching to my heart's content. And those weeks were so fun. Every night I was staying up way too late for my own good, having the time of my life, all alone while the family was asleep. The ideas were flowing freely... My designs were coming together in my head and on paper. And most of all, I was watching all of the TV and movies that my husband hates and won't watch with me. It was like my own personal party every single night. I was getting a lot done, and I never wanted it to end. But of course, shortly thereafter, it did. My productivity came to a screeching halt when we received some unexpected but exciting news that we would be expecting a new baby. Now, this wasn't something I had exactly planned. We've been wanting to expand our family for a while now, but after a couple of years of things just not working out at all, we just decided to kind of take a break from the whole baby thing. So this news was very surprising and very happy, and in those early weeks, although I was really tired, I was very optimistic. I thought, oh, it's okay that I'm pregnant. I'll just keep working on this collection. Big deal. No problem. I had two women's sweater designs planned at that point, and I remember thinking to myself, oh yeah, I'll just whip those out real quick, and I'll be able to model them for the pattern pictures before I start even looking pregnant. Yeah, right. So I immediately started knitting up my first sweater out of the beautiful Madeline Tosh Pashmina in the winter wheat colorway, which is pretty much the most perfect gold color I've ever seen dyed up in a yarn. So you should go check it out. But unfortunately, within a week or so, things changed dramatically for the worse. I was getting progressively more and more nauseous throughout the day, but I just pushed through it. I felt like if I just ignored it, and acted completely normal, maybe it would just go away or something, as if it was a battle of wills. 
I was fighting against nausea, and I was determined that it would not win. I remember for about a week, going about my day as normal, telling myself, It's okay. You are fine. You are not sick. You will not throw up. But guess what happens next? Well, I'll tell you, because it's kind of a funny story. About a month prior to this, I had made plans to do a trunk show and meet and greet at two fabulous yarn shops in the Southern California area. And unfortunately, that weekend happened to fall right smack in the middle of my battle, in the denying that I'm nauseous pregnancy period. The shops had already made plans for me to come, they'd advertised my visit, the hotel reservations were made, so there was no way I was going to back out. Besides, I was in full-blown denial. I wasn't nauseous, right? And I wasn't going to throw up or anything, right? So we packed our bags, we got in the car, and we went. I should have known it was a bad sign when I suffered defeat and threw up in the car before getting on the freeway. I remember my husband asking, Okay, well, do you just want to go home then? Oh no, no, I replied. I'll be fine. I'm fine. I feel much better now, and I'm just fine. Let's go. But I was really, really not fine. What was supposed to be a fun, yarn-filled weekend away with my husband turned out to be one of the most miserable weekends of my life, and it probably wasn't what he had in mind either. But somehow, some way, I was able to do both events at the yarn shops, plaster a big, fake smile on my face, and not throw up on anybody. Thank goodness. I just picked myself up, wiped off the saltine cracker crumbs off of myself, and just did it. I remember arriving at the first shop called Unwind for an evening event, and I had just spent the day in LA traffic, nauseated beyond my wildest dreams. I felt terrible, and I probably looked even worse. I felt disheveled and just gross, and after we set up, I was looking through the shop windows and I could see all of these knitters gathering outside the shop, waiting for the doors to open. And I thought, oh, great. They're going to say to themselves, oh, so that's Alana. Oh, how sad. She must have really let herself go. I mean, she looks so much better on the computer than in real life. And oh my goodness, are, are those um, saltine cracker crumbs on her shirt? It was just one of those things, you know? I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to tell everyone that I was pregnant and that I could very possibly throw up on them at any moment. Especially if they, you know, ate their hors d'oeuvres with their mouth open or were wearing a particularly strong perfume. So I just kept that plastered smell on my face and I hoped for the best. And I think that considering the circumstances, things went really well. It honestly did help being out of the car and having the distraction of a lot of people around. It made me less focus on the nausea, which was a really good thing. That night, I got a chance to meet and talk with a few podcast listeners, which was great. And hopefully, if they're listening to this episode, they'll now know why I might have seemed a little off that night. And also, it was really fun. I got to meet Dr. Gemma from the Cognitive Podcast. Now, she's contributed a story in the past, and we've communicated a little bit through email. Um, but, but it was nice to be able to get a chance to... Um, be able to talk to her a little bit in person. And she's super funny, and I really enjoyed getting to know her a little bit. It was interesting because later I listened to her podcast episode where she talked about meeting me, and she made some crazy comment about how I always look put together and perfect or something like that. And I will be forever grateful to her for that comment because... I couldn't have felt more frumpy and disgusting that night. 
So, thank you, Dr. Gemma. You made my day, and possibly my first trimester. The next day's yarn event at another shop called Wild Fiber also went well. Fortunately, I felt a bit better that day, but I still remained cautious. The bummer about feeling so gross that weekend is that I had to spend all of my energy trying not to be sick, or look sick, and I didn't get a chance to fully enjoy the experience of being surrounded by my fellow knitters and all of that yarn. What a shame, really. But I have to say that the shop's owners and employees in both stores were extremely gracious and helpful, and they really tried their best to help make me comfortable, and I really appreciate their kindness. I'm sure it wasn't an ideal guest to have in my condition. Anyways, we got through it, and at the end of the weekend, I was so ready to get home. So, after throwing up in a restaurant, yes, that's right, the next morning we started our drive back, and... Let me tell you, there is nothing like stop-and-go traffic when you are sick to your stomach. When we finally got home, I crawled into my bed, and I didn't get out for about a month. Quite literally. I was so terribly nauseous, and I felt like I could not even move. Fortunately, our family really helped us out during this time. Everything was pretty much falling apart around me, and I couldn't do anything about it. That entire time was a very nauseated blur of ginger ale, saltine crackers, and Netflix. I remember just keeping up with my emails and a weekly blog post during that time was a hugely overwhelming chore. And as you might have guessed, I wasn't exactly making a whole lot of progress on that sweater project of mine either. Believe me, I tried, but I just could not knit. It made me feel even more ill. My lovely golden pashmina work in progress was just perched on my night table, by my bed, right beside the saltine crackers, as if one day I would just reach for it and be able to knit, but I couldn't. It got to the point where even the sight of it made me sick. Isn't that weird? Knitting has always been my passion and comfort in life, and I never expected that one day it would turn out to be vomit-inducing. But guess what? This pathetic story does have a happy ending. I rounded the end of my third month, and I started feeling so much better. And now, having completed month four, I'm feeling pretty fabulous, I must say. Well, fabulous compared to that nauseous stupor I was in. Oh yes, and another thing. That pashmina sweater is done. It only took me two and a half months to complete, but it's done. And I love it, which is good, because I wasn't sure if that would happen. I mean, I really, truly hated it for a time, because it just sat there next to my bed, making me sick, stressing me out. But when I felt better, we finally had some good bonding time, and now we're friends, and it turned out beautifully. So I'm really happy about that. I'll tell you one very sad story about the sweater, though. When I was really, really nauseous, I was feeling really bad about the sweater, and I really wanted to get it done, and even at one point I thought that maybe I could finish it really fast and still be able to model it before I started showing. So I was putting myself under a lot of stress and making myself work on the sweater, even though it was killing me. I remember one stretch of time where I was diligently knitting on one of the sweater fronts, and it took me about two weeks to do, um, I want to say like six inches or something. And normally I would get that done in about one night, because <laughs> it wasn't that many stitches across the piece of fabric. So it took me like two weeks to get this one little section done. And... Right when I was feeling really, really good about it, because at least I was making some progress, I realized that I had made a mistake, a really, really stupid mistake, about six inches down. So I had to rip out the entire thing, all of my two weeks of knitting, and that was just the most depressing thing. But anyways, that's behind me now. It's done. It's over. 
and hopefully now that I'm feeling okay, I can quickly finish my other designs and be able to release this collection of knits according to plan. So as you can see, my friends, there has been a lot going on here and in another sense, absolutely nothing going on here. But anyways, my podcast break that I took couldn't have come at a better time. I was planning on using that time to be knitting up a storm, but that didn't exactly work out, and instead I really, really needed that time just to get through those first couple of months. So this is a really big year for me. A new baby and a new knitwear collection, both coming out this fall, hopefully. And that leads me to one final announcement. At the end of Season 5, I announced that this season, I would be releasing the next 10 episodes every month instead of every two weeks. Since I'd have to cut the podcast season short to, to take some time off to be with the new baby, I've decided to keep with the usual format and give you two podcast episodes per month. One on the 1st and one on the 15th, just like always. That way I can get a full 10 episodes in before the baby comes. So, I've got an exciting season planned for all of you. I've arranged for some great guests and fabulous giveaways. So I really hope that you enjoy it. In this episode, I have an interview to share with you with someone that we all know and love, Susan B. Anderson. Now, this is the second time that Susan has joined me on the podcast. If you'd like to hear her previous interview, check out episode 26. I'm pretty sure that I like everything about Susan. I love her design work, I love her blog, and on top of it, she's a really nice person too, with a very sweet and positive attitude. She's also a super busy lady. She's a mother of four, she has so many design projects that she's working on all at once, and she still manages to keep a smile on her face, which is something that I think is pretty admirable. And on top of doing so many other projects, she recently came out with an adorable new book. So I was so happy she agreed to an interview so that we could talk about it. Hi, Susan. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fine. It's wonderful to have you on the podcast again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm super excited to talk to you about your new book, Spud and Chloe at the Farm. So why don't we just get right into it? Um, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about the book concept? Because this is kind of a, this is a new type of book for you. So you want to tell them a little bit about what it's all about? Sure. <laughs> that came out weird. <laughs> Sorry. I, a yeah. lot of abouts in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd love to, of course. Well, a couple years ago, I started working for Spud and Chloe, which for those of you who don't know, it's a yarn company. Um, that is a sister company of Blue Sky Alpacas, which has been around for at least a decade now and, and is very well know, known. And the owner came up for, with this great concept for a washable, all-natural yarn line. And she called it Spud and Chloe. And Spud and Chloe, um, it's Spud is a kind of a big, fat, funny sheep. And Chloe is the sheep's owner. And she's an adorable little redheaded girl. And um, have um, the so that's on the logo, and those are kind of the characters that also um, came to life with this book. So the owner of Spud and Chloe asked me if I would um, create the um, actual knitted version of Spud and Chloe, and I jumped at the chance. And that actually was also a couple years ago at this point, and um, that was before I started writing the blog oh. for them. What all kind of happened at the same time, but so this has been in the um, works for a long time. This idea, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, books take yeah, a good I'm couple sure. years uh, before they are released, and um, you know, a year and a half, two years. It's at least with my books have because I, you know, I knit all the projects, I do all the writing myself, I do all the pattern writing. So for me, it's really um, a two-year um, process, and. Um, it's it's just long in the making. So, um, yeah, so then, um, then you know, we were talking, and the owner um, of, of Spud and Chloe, her name is Linda, and I were talking, and um, we started talking about a book concept, and 
right away, uh, the adventures of Spud and Chloe kind of came up and all these different places they could go and ideas for fun little stories that went went along with the mm-hmm. knit projects started popping into our heads. And um, so hopefully this is the first book in a, in a series, kind of like Sp- um, the adventures of yeah. Spud and Chloe. And we thought the perfect place to start would be Spud and Chloe at the farm. And I brought the idea to my publisher, Artisan Books, and they were really excited about it. And the great thing about the book is that not only does it have, well, it actually has like um, 13 knit projects. So it's a, it's a little book. It's a little little in size and, you know, mm-hmm. fewer projects. And um, we also came up with this concept to have a little storyline with the characters, um, Spud and Chloe, but also the new little knit characters that, that um, they kind of pick up and bring along mm-hmm. with them along the way, you know, when they're at the, mm-hmm. at this farm. And so we hired um, an il- illustrator, the wonderful Amy Cartwright, and she came up with a um, graphic design for the little cartoon strip that runs along the bottom of the um, pages as you flip through. But then it's also in um, all together um, and reads like a cartoon mm-hmm. at the end of the book. So it's really like, for me, it was like writing two books uh, at yeah, the same I time. Bet. <laughs> so it's just getting book and then I had to do the storyline and that was lots of fun for me it was it was really a great um thing for me to to get to do so I was I was Mm -hmm. just loving it well I think that this is the first book of its kind I haven't seen another book that's that's done this way where the story follows the projects I think that's a really cute idea Right. We're calling it um, Read and Knit. And it's there are some other books, um, like the wonderful Joanna Johnson has a couple little storybooks where it's an actual children's book. And then at the end of the book, yeah, there's a pattern or two to go, you know, to go along with it. But this, so this book's, it's really a knitting book, but then it has this little storyline, you know, that um, flip through the pages and read with your kids and that was one of the things I loved so much about Itty Bitty Toys is that I heard how um, kids were looking at the book and picking out projects and placing their orders, sort of like it was a catalog. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I kind of wanted to um, develop that idea a little more and, and get the kids involved in the knitting book, too, because my kids don't haven't ever looked at any of my <laughs> – well, they look at my books that I've written, just, you know, but – yeah, uh, any other knitting book, they they would never just sit and look through it. But um, right, it's kind of fun to have that little element in there to bring um, some interest in for for younger kids too. Oh, I so agree. Since I have a five year old, I I totally understand that. And and my daughter, she loves your books. And and we actually saw an ad for Spud and Chloe at the farm. I think it was like in a magazine or maybe it was on Ravelry and she was behind me or something and she saw it. And she was just, she just fell in love with the ad and she was just asking me, mom, are you going to get that book? Or, you know, she was so excited. And then we got the book and she totally did the same thing. She looked through all of it. We read the story and then, um, but now I have to hide it from her because I'm so busy with knitting that I haven't gotten a chance to make any of the projects yet. And so I have to hide it so that she's not like mad at me and wondering when I'm going to actually knit these things. So yeah, you don't, you don't need that extra pressure. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, we can't look at this book. But it's so can, cute. I want to knit. A, every... a quick, you can whip up a quick spud um, when you're done with your, your big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love, oh, anyway, there's so much to talk about, but what I first wanted to ask you is, um, since this is your first time kind of, well, this is your first time, like, writing, like, a little children's story, right? Yes. That's not something you've really delved into before, so was that challenging, or did you feel like, since you're so familiar with these characters of Spud and Chloe, that it just kind of came together really easily? Well, it took uh, a surprising amount of work, um... I, we came up with backstories for Spud and Chloe. I chatted with, um, I worked with this great editor. Her name is Suzanne Landers. And mm-hmm. we spent hours um, kind of developing the characters a little bit and making them have a personality, like a distinguishable yes. personalities. And so, you know, right away that was, I had always wanted to write a children's book. And I've, I've been just I'm a huge fan of children's literature and I have a 
collection of children's literature I, I really really enjoy and picture book you know type children's literature mm-hmm. I love that so I was really game for it and we um, you know I had it was interesting the whole process was interesting I had to um, develop each frame and then you know it became tricky too because there were for the patterns they had the frames had to match the number of pages for the pattern for the certain characters so it had to all coordinate so that was interesting and then for each frame you know I had to come up with these storyboards of where the characters would be who was going to be in the frame which you know what was in the background what were their expressions you know all along with the dialogue so it it really was it literally was like writing two books It, it was so much fun I loved it and I would like to do um, definitely like to do more of it I I just Mm -hmm. I love the whole children's story aspect so that that was really a great experience how interesting I guess you know when you don't know you you just kind of assume how thing like the process but it's interesting talking to you about it and learning all that's involved that's way more than I would have even thought of so that sounds like quite a project yeah, it really was. It was, um, you know, you just don't think about, like, you write something and then you you have it in your head what you, mm-hmm. you're you picturing for that certain frame of the cartoon. But you had to, I had to be so specific about, you know, Spud had his eyes closed or, you know, Chloe was gesturing with her hand this way or, you know, mm-hmm. it was just, it was really interesting and fun. And, and um, you know, they had the story was um, test read by some um, children's book publishers at that workman or artisan works with my publisher. And, you know, uh-huh. it went through a lot of channels, I guess, is, is the way to put it before, um, you know, it was kind of finished up at the end and and um it was it was really fun it was it was great that's cool that's really interesting so um let's talk about the projects a little bit do you they're so cute you did such a good job I love these and I I I love your work so much because I love knitting toys for my daughter it's just it's like the thing that if I could choose anything to knit that's that would be at the top of my list is toys because they're so fun Mm -hmm. They're small, they're quick, they're portable, and then it's so fun to be able to give it to the child when they're done. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, I'm like a gigantic fan of this book. I think I was just like badgering you before it came out. When is the book coming out? When is the book coming out? And now that it's out, I don't have time to knit anything. Yeah. It's just terrible. It's just torture. But anyways, um, these projects are adorable. Do you have some that really stand out that you're just like really proud of that um, you know, some that you, that are really special to you? Sure. Well, I can talk about, um, a few that are kind of a little more unusual. First of all, um, Spud is probably my favorite in the whole book. He's just this big, um, chubby sheep. He wears a bow tie. He's kind of a persnickety guy. And I just really wanted to capture, his personality in the knitted toy version. And I think he came out just great. And in fact, it's kind of interesting. Um, You know, I can make knitted toys that are just in my head, but when I had to kind of um, capture an essence and be true to the logo of Spud and Chloe, which was already set, it -hmm. was really challenging for me to do that. So um, normally I don't, have to redo toys very often but with with Spud and Chloe I kept redoing and redoing it took me months to get these two characters down and that really it, it was so challenging um huh. I used this great uh twisted loop stitch for Spud and yeah I like that um, yeah and it feels so wonderful to hold like you can I mean, you can look at it and think, oh, that's great. It looks like the woolly coat. But when you actually hold it in your hand, it's just, it's a really great feeling toy. It's just so textural and rich feeling. And um, so that, you know, that was really fun for me to kind of come up with that um, woolly Mm -hmm. coat. And 
um, his funny little personality. So I love him. But other toys that are kind of notable, I think, and um, they're all just cute and fun, and some are more complicated complicated than others, mm-hmm. um, would be, I love the chicken, the mother hen. She's a chicken. and the That's chick- my favorite. I love that one. Is it really? I love the yes. um, interactive toy. I mean, that's always yes. kind of my thing. Like, I love a good toy, but when there's something you can do with it, that makes it a million times better to me. So the totally um, agree. fun part about the mother hen is really her body is just like a little hat. So um, it's knit all in one piece. The whole body is knit in one piece. And the underside is this great yellow um, shade of Spud and Chloe sweater. And I'm thinking it's called Firefly. It's gorgeous, gorgeous yellow. And so I knit the first half of the body in the um, Firefly yellow color. And then it tucks up inside the um, ice cream, which is this beautiful creamy white color um, to form her body. So if you can picture just like having a little hat sitting on your hand um, and inside, so inside the um, mother hen's body, you can tuck all these, I made these little chicks that are very simple, um, sticking out of a half of an eggshell. So she can, you can load those up and she can sit right on them and you can hide them and tuck them up under, under her, you know, feathers. And it's just a fun, cute little toy. And I always get a kick out of all the people that love chickens, like people collect chickens and they just Mm -hmm. love them. And I always get a kick out of that. I think that's really funny. Yeah. And so that's that's one of my favorites. I think the um, barn cat turned out really great. Um, It's sort Mm -hmm. of cartoonish and cute and, and it looks kind of like it's ready to pounce. Like I hadn't done a toy in the style before. It has these kind of great white paws sticking out from from the underside. And so that toy has a lot of character. Um, and then I did some kind of, um, barn accessories, which I think are farm accessories, excuse me, that I think Mm -hmm. are kind of fun. I did a collapsible barn. That's really just, um, it's like the, I don't, I don't know what you call that. It's almost like a stage prop or something where it has a Mm -hmm. front and then two sides. Because, mm-hmm. And I did it that way because then I thought that would allow for a lot more interaction. Like um, kids could be playing, you know, a scene on the On inside. both sides of it. Yeah, and then they yeah. have, could have them come through the door. But also on the pra- practical end, I thought it would be wonderful to, for moms to, or parents or whoever to have a um, collapsible barn that you could just put away. So it's not like a giant barn that you can't really store this folds down just flat and you can just, you know, tuck it away somewhere. So that was one of my goals for that too. And the other Mm -hmm. um, little farm accessory that I just love, I did this little picket fence and I use these craft sticks and um, that also is collapsible and can be um, set up in different formations. But I knit, um, I knit this tube just doing a, like a big eye cord and it kind of had a that fits right around the stick. So you're not really sewing anything at all. You're well, you're not sewing anything at all. Um, it's all just like a tube and you stick the craft stick in, but to, there is a gap because, because you're doing an I cord with a lot of stitches. So I just took a crochet hook and just laddered right up to close up that gap. It's, it's just really fun and clever. It's a, it's a neat little technique, um, that I Mm -hmm. use there. So that's really fun too. But I don't know. I think all the all the little characters are cute. They have a lot of personality. There's kind of a spunky little farm dog and pesky little piglets and um, and then the mm-hmm. um, the oh, and the the brown cow turned out kind of sweet. It looks kind of babyish and and sweet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're it's just fun. I love farm animals. That's it's a good topic. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I was thinking is um, the chicks don't come out of the egg, do they? Yes, they're just they one do. piece. They do? Yeah, they come out. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Now I really have to knit that. What are you doing to me? Yeah, <laughs> and the, to knit um, that. Some, I've heard from a few people who are making the top as well. You know, I just kind of had the half of egg, but um, and at first I just did the chicks. I didn't have an eggshell. And I was getting kind of down to the wire, and I kept looking at them, and I thought, okay, I have to do eggshells. <laughs> like, they're coming out of the egg. So um, I quickly knit up little half eggshells for them to kind of sit in. But, yeah, yeah, they do come out. 
so cute. They should you sh- they should have shown that in the photo so that you could see it both ways. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> because you lose a lot it, of control when you're yeah I know I know and your stuff off. But no, she, I love my photographer. She's done a great job. But yeah, yeah. that would have been that's a good point. It would have been yeah. But yeah, so unless you really read through, you know, specifically read through, you you wouldn't know that they were knit in separate pieces. But yeah. Right. right. That just makes it even cuter. Yeah. So thanks for telling me. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I, yeah, now I'm committed. See, your anyway. daughter would love to take the chicks in and out of their eggs, right? Oh my goodness. She would love that. You know, that, um, that little reversible bird I made from your last book. Yes. <laughs> that thing is torn up because she, she like reversed it and then, you know, put it right side out like 12,000 <laughs> times The the beak fell off. It's just <laughs> Torn to pieces. <laughs> you know what? Yes. She was so that um, people should look back if they want to see. Here, you did a little audio of her playing yeah. with that. Um, Bert, that really is one of my favorite things ever that I've ever heard. It is the sweetest audio of her describing how to change the egg into a bird and then back again. And yeah. her enthusiasm and just sweetness it was yeah. it's so charming and endearing I, I love it really is one of my favorite things <laughs> oh thank you yeah. yeah she definitely loved that she <laughs> loves the the interactive toys so I can just imagine how she would do if I gave her these little chicks and eggs yeah that would be so them. exciting so um all of the patterns are made out of the Spud and Chloe yarns and I'm sure that was absolutely no problem for you because you love the Spun Chloe yarns and as we all do they're super great to work with they're washable and I think that actually it's so nice that these yarns were showcased in this book for toys because I can't think of a better yarn for toy projects because it's so sturdy and washable it's like perfect for that it is perfect application it is perfect and the um it is. It's so durable, and the washable factor is wonderful. And um, the col- you know, it's really fun because when I made this book, there was it was only the first set of initial colors, so I I had kind of a limited um, palette. But Blue Sky and Spun Chloe, they do colors like no one else. I mean, their colors are just spot on and fantastic. So. Uh, you're right. I, I couldn't have asked for a better um, starting, you know, initial startup yarn line to to work with to create a whole book. And it's not like mm-hmm. I was wanting for anything. I mean, it was um, just so I love how straightforward the um, Spun Chloe yarn line is. It's just mm-hmm. um, a, a sock weight set of yarn. The fine, the sweater weight is a worsted and then outer is a super bulky weight yarn. And it's just, um, they, you know, we just keep adding colors and, um, it's growing. I, I just, I love everything about it. It's, it was just a really good mix. And, um, you know, I could use blue sky and spud and Chloe to do, um, to do every book <laughs> and only yeah. those yarns to do every book I ever wanted to do. They have such mm-hmm. great variety and, um, colors and, yeah, the quality is yeah. always wonderful. So you're right, and and I can attest to that. You know, I've made I've made, made several of your toy patterns, and some of them out of the Spud and Chloe. You know, the the ones that you've posted on the Spud and Chloe blog, and they've gotten tons of use. I mean, my daughter loves these toys, so they get played with constantly, and they still are in really good shape. The ones that I've made out of the Spud and Chloe yarn, you, they're not like they're not pilled up. They don't look like totally trash. They, they really, um, they stayed nice, especially when you knit it at a tight gauge, you know, like you do with toys. Yeah. It really lasts a long time. So it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. That's the key is to knit. Toys have to be knit in a, as a dense, you know, tightly knit fabric. And, um, that's where I think sometimes people run into a little bit of a problem. You just, you have to, you know, if you normally are knitting a worsted weight on a size seven, you're going to want to go down to a five or a four and just, and mm-hmm. it's for a couple reasons. First of all, you don't, it, it has to be tight and dense so that it will hold its shape. So when mm-hmm. like your wonderful daughter's running around, you know, throwing it around and hugging and sleeping with the toy or whatever, it keeps its shape and form. But the other great reason that you have to knit at a dense 
um, at a tight tighter gauge than normal is that um, the st- you don't want the stuffing showing through. You want to right. have just like the fabric, the knit stitches without, um, you know, the stitches being spread apart so the stuffing shows through. Because there's nothing worse than that. You don't want to overstuff. Yeah. And, yeah, so um, that's a really good point to bring up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I How many toys have you knit now? Oh I mean... Gosh. How many? Hundreds? Oh, well. <laughs> done so many. Yeah, I just don't know. I, you know, I started knitting toys with my second book, Itty Bitty Nursery. And the oh. first toy I ever knit, which, and it happened to be out of Blue Sky, which, you know, I had no affiliation with them at that point. I did um, mm-hmm. the Blue Sky Worsted Cotton, was the Chubby Bunny. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just absolutely fell in love with knitting toys at, that was it. That was kind of the aha moment for me. And mm-hmm. um, I knit a bunch of toys for that book. And including just today, I got um, someone on Facebook sent me a photo of they finished. I did a garden mice mobile for a baby's crib. And, um, you know, that that alone had I had flowers and um, vines and I think like five or six mice on it. And, um, you know, so that, that really was the start of that, but, oh my gosh, how many, I can't, I can't even, I don't think it's been hundreds, but, um, I mean, I don't even know. Probably been a hundred. What do you think? Like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. There's been a lot. So let me ask you what it's like, let me ask you this. Like you've knit so many toys, you've knit all sorts of animals. Like, do you think you've like knit every animal or I mean like every animal that can be knit or do you do you still have new ideas for new toys oh no I have not knit all animals I have a huge list I'm working on a new book right now um with my publisher um and um no not even close and you know the funny thing is and you can you can tell this from um, my hat book. I love taking a concept and just twisting and turning it in a million different directions. So, for example, mm-hmm. I I don't know if I've ever counted, but I've knit so many different bunnies yeah. and chickens. You know, now I've got kind of a whole collection of chickens, and mm-hmm. but the bunny I've knit so many different bunnies and I could still knit a bunch of more different bunnies and they wouldn't be the same. They would all look different. Um, you know, so I can even take one animal and come up with, you know, a bunch of different ways to do it. I've done a bunch of pigs, different pigs, uh, you know, so you can even take the same animal. I mean, I would even like to do a book just like with one animal theme and, do you know a whole variety of that kind of one animal i i'm someone who loves to have like a take one concept and just kind of twist it and turn it as many ways as as i can but no i mean i haven't done a lot of um jungle animals i mean i guess i did a giraffe but you know there's a whole i've never done any sea animals like you know i guess that's true i've not even tapped into any of that um you know i have a lot of um I, I have a whole um, love for, like, story, um, like, fairy tale uh, characters, and I'll, I'd love to explore some things like that. But, um, no, I just, I really feel like uh, I have a lot more that I want to do um, in the toy area. But, um, and I'm so comfortable at this point in that uh, genre that, you know, really, I do really have the... Um, the want to explore it a lot, a lot further. And I keep coming up with trying, trying new techniques and adding in, you know, different shaping. And um, it's interesting because um, I'm kind of going a little astray here, but you know, people like in sweaters, they like, um, they love that seamless, um, seamless sweater patterns or, you know, concepts. Um, And you, you do a lot of that, Mm -hmm. right? Like this. Yeah. 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 And I like it too. And I like to knit it. But 
you know, I try, I have done some toys that are um, completely seamless. Like I did a bunny for Blue Sky Alpacas and it's called Hop. And you start at the toes and it's kind of this long, skinny character bunny. And then it was, it's knit all in one piece, all the way up to the tip of the ears. And I love mm, that um, concept. Cool. But sometimes in toys, just to, you want to turn apart a certain way or, there's so much more um, ability to be a little more playful with placement when the parts are knit separately. So, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I try really hard to knit as much as I can in one piece. But um, there are certain advantages also for stability and, and things. It's kind of, um, you know, sometimes you have to have, like, separate pieces that, that you stitch on and stuff. But um, I guess mm-hmm. my point is that I'm just – I'm always trying to – see how I can make things a little different or shape different or add different techniques and different ways of, of picking up, you know, how, um, like I've done some toys recently where, um, you knit on a piece of scrap yarn and like an afterthought heel for a sock. And then you come back Mm -hmm. in and pull that scrap yarn off and pick up, put the stitches on your nails and then you knit down for like an arm or an ear or a wing or whatever you're making. That's cool. So, you know, that's I, a great idea. Yeah, I keep exploring. So I just I feel like there's a lot of um, untapped uh, toy projects out there for me still. Well, cool. Well, that's that's really that's really neat. I I'm um, impressed by by all of your ideas. That's really, really cool. It, I thought that you kind of like almost exhausted the 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 toy knitting, but now from talking to you, I'm like, you know, wow, you're right. There is a lot more. So that's <laughs> neat. I look forward to seeing what you come up with in the future. That's really cool. Thank you. So you are working on another book, you said? Yeah, I'm working. Well, I'm actually working on two. I, um, we're, uh, My we're, goodness. we're working on um, the next Bud and Chloe installment. Uh-huh. And um, we're at the very beginning stages of that. Just this, you know, book just came out. Uh, the first one just came out. So we're just kind of in initial phases. But um, I already have a couple projects um, done for that. And um, and then I have, I'm set for a new book, um, which I'm not going to say too much about. But it, it'll be um, with my same publisher again, Artisan. And um, it will be another um, toy related um, book, but it's going to have a really fun twist on it. So um, that one will be out, um, we're hoping fall 2012. Cool. So I'm working on that one right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So that leads me to the question. And I think I've, I've asked you, I think I've touched on this before, but I, but now it's, it's even worse and I, and I just have to know. Okay. So you have your, your two book projects you have you you write the the blog for Spud and Chloe. Yeah. You and on top of it, you come out with patterns that you you know release on your blog. So how are you possibly doing all of this? I mean, how how do you do it? You do so much. It's it's a lot of sweat and tears. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and you you do things for magazines too. On top of it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> It's a lot of suffering. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what it is? It's just, um, you know, I just, I work really hard. I, I've always been a hard worker. I'm, you know, I'm driven. I love what I do. I'm passionate about it. Um, it's, um, you know, my lifestyle, it's uh, how I live, I, I think, and breathe and sleep, um, knitting. And, um, I just, I really love it. And I have a big family. I have four kids. And, um, so I'm just constantly trying to juggle and balance and make sure everybody gets their, um, due attention and love. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I have to cook, I cook big meals every night. I pack now I'm down to 15, um, sack lunches a week. My one son's off to college. So, it was um, 20 lunches a week I was packing. <laughs> I mean, it's, That's you know, I'm just hard. I'm a very hard worker. And um, I yes. take both my family life and my um, work life very seriously, although it's all good fun. And it's a fun, happy topic that I work in. Um, you know, it's a job like, like anybody else has. And 
I just, I, I work hard and I, I, I work long, long hours. I work um, very early mornings. I get up, you know, some days I'm, I even hate to say it, but sometimes I get up at 3.30 or 4 a.m. and I start working um, at that time right up until, um, you know, my kids get up and I get everybody off to where they're supposed to be. And then as much as I can, I work off and on, you know, all day. And, and um, I don't work late at night usually because I'm much more of a morning person. But um and it's all, I love it, all of it. And I, you know, I've just been, I feel so lucky to have my job with Spun Chloe. I, I love working for them. And that blog has been just more fun than I can even say. It's just, it's added so much to my life. And um, I'm very appreciative for all of it. It's, it's been a great thing. Yeah. Well, wow. That's, that's really inspiring. I have to tell you, um, how many, how many patterns do you say that you produce in about a month, like to keep up with your current schedule? Yeah. Um, gosh, I have to think about that. Um, well, I usually, you know, I'm under um, contract to do one or two free patterns a month for the Spun Chloe blog. You know, that's that's part of my job. Right. So mm-hmm. I do that. I, um, you know, with the book patterns and just other projects I'm doing. Um, so I usually do the two for Spun Chloe. I probably do, I would say on average, maybe a couple more a month. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of what I do is different than someone who's a sweater, you know, an adult sweater designer. I am working in a smaller medium. So, mm-hmm. um, although it takes just as much, you know, planning and shaping and it's all about proportion and size. So it's not like it's, um, an easy design, but, um, you know, it's a little more doable, but they're smaller, they're smaller. It's just the actual knitting is, it's just less than, you know, someone who's doing, um, you know, big sweater designs and, and things like that. But although I do, you know, scarves and wraps and, um, I do some adult, um, yeah, I do socks. I, you know, I try to, Mm -hmm. I like to design everything. I don't like to just do, um, you know, toys or, or just baby things. I like, I like to do things that I want to wear and, you know, other things too, but it seems like most, most of the time I am doing um, things on a smaller scale. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, does I'm that sure seem that like a lot to you? Well, yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> but um, I think that, I think that you're so, I think that you're so talented that I think that if I tried to design like six toys a month, that would just be terrible. But um, you're so good at it. And I think that it just comes easily to you. Like you like you said before in the interview that you don't often have to re-knit toys. Yeah. And that's that's a huge time saver right there. If you can just knit it in one go and write the, up the pattern. But yeah, it's still pretty impressive, I have to tell you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. It's amazing. So in juggling all these things, do you feel like you have to schedule like personal time just to not get completely burnt out? Or how do you, you know, do you, do you try to like schedule time for your family? Like so that to keep the balance, because I'm sure that with this kind of job, you really could work every waking moment. Oh, you really could. Yeah. I have to be careful. I mean, you know, um, I won't miss, you know, I really won't miss my kids events and things and I go to everything and um, I volunteer and I I do things for their sports. And so um, and we have dinner and, you know, I I just because I'm home and, you know, it's just kind of the way I live. It's all sort of integrated. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it, it seems like, you know, it works out pretty well. I'm not much. For one for um to keep like a strict schedule I'm <laughs> I just can't I can't do that I have to have things more kind of free flowing than you know to try to plan things out I'm not a good planner and I'm not a good calendar um keeping type person so um you know I don't even bog myself down with that I just you know some days I get more done than others and um and especially the month of May seems really busy like a million things, you know, with the kids mm-hmm. on, and I don't know why that is every year. Is your daughter in school yet? Not yet, this August. Oh, she'll go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's just, 
I don't know why that spring gets always really crazy at the end of the school year. So, um, you know, it's been really hectic. Like this week, um, I have, um, let's see, two uh, appointments for my kids. And the uh, the thing that always kills me are the appointments. All my kids, you know, I have to get them to all these various appointments. I was just laughing about... um, I had to, you know, I, it's things you don't really think about, you know, when, before you have all these kids, but you don't have to plan for, um, 10 dentist appointments a year. And that's, that's minimum 10, like for, you know, regular checkups for dentist appointments. And then if they need any additional things done, that's, you know, more appointments and, um, Uh you know, it's stuff like that. It's just, it, it does get kind of overwhelming, but um, yeah, you know, I just try to work it all in and I try to keep a very upbeat and positive attitude about all of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, um, some things have to give here and there, but, um, mm-hmm. just try to do the best I can. Well, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Everybody loves your work. And I was thinking about, you are so busy and you're balancing so much, but every time I read your blog, it's always so happy. <laughs> and so like, you know, like you're saying, you have such an upbeat attitude and it's, it's really infectious and yeah. So you're doing a really good job balancing all that you do. Thank you. Very well. Thanks. So, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, and you touched on this a little bit is, um, right now you're really into doing toys, which you're having a lot of fun with, but do you ever see yourself in the future publishing a a completely different type of book, you know, like it, like in a completely different direction or do you think you're going to stick with this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like adult sweaters or, you know, something totally a different, whole different style. Um, yeah, I do. (laughs) Cool. I do. I do. I would like to do, um, yeah, I, I could see that totally. I can see myself yeah. going in different directions, and um, but it's not going to be yet because I'm already working on. You're committed to the to I'm the toy books. More, more of you know the same the same kind of thing, but which I love, so I would never, I would never not want to do it. But yeah, I mean, I could see that. Um, yeah, I have so some ideas. What, you know what? I'd really, I'd like to do. Um, I love to teach. I, I was a um, teacher before, a public school teacher before I, um, you know, started working in the knitting um, area so much. But um, I love to teach and I'd love to do um, some more instructional type work, like um, either, you know, DVD type work or um, a book that's, you know, really instructional um, mm-hmm. along with having some design element to it. So, um, yeah, something like that would really interest me. And, um, I, you know, I still, I still have just this longing. I, even before, you know, I started knitting when I was a, like a kid, I always wanted to do a children's book. I mean, just a mm-hmm. strictly a children's book, you know, that's something I always have, um, wanted to do. So I have a lot, I have a lot of interests, you know, that I'd like to pursue and I love the whole crafting world in general and I do a lot of crafting with my daughter um I've one my one daughter I have four kids but my one youngest daughter I write about her on the my my mm-hmm. personal blog um quite a bit because yeah. she is just this crazy crafter and <laughs> just watching her <laughs> crafting brings me so much happiness <laughs> so mm-hmm. she reminds me so much of myself when I was when I was a kid and, um, how neat that you guys get to share that. That's really cool. It's so much fun. And, you know, my other kids have a lot of other interests, not so much in the crafting type world. So they're just as fun too, but she, she really (laughs) just is, um, really creative. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, some sort of crafting book would be really fun along the lines of like raising a crafty child kind of thing, you know, that, Uh something I'd be really interested in too but you know I have a lot of ideas so (laughs) we'll see we'll see whatever happens (laughs) yeah that's cool so do you despite your crazy schedule do you still get any personal knitting time or is that out of the question at this point no I do I always have personal projects going and you know the reason I do that is to keep my sanity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a couple reasons. I, you know, I can't be work knitting all the time. And 
knitting is really um, a love in my life. So I like to have things that I can just keep and, and wear and use myself because most of my work just gets shipped off and, you know, I, I don't see it again or I see it again a year later, mm-hmm. like a book project or whatever. And um, so, um, you know, I can't, I can't be designing, um, you know, working on work knitting all the time. So I always keep a few projects and I keep, I really like to do simple, um, but simple, but beautiful projects, um, you know, I, that I just carry around with me. I just finished a shawl at a soccer tournament last weekend and, you know, I keep things like socks and hats, all, all kinds of stuff. I have a couple sweaters going for myself. And I oh. also just, I'm a total knitting fan. I love mm-hmm. other people's work and mm-hmm. um, just genuinely want to knit things just like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though it's what I do for, you know, work too. I I have um, a bunch of sweaters that I want to knit up for myself. And um, last summer, I think I did... I think I made four or five um, sweaters for myself. Um, I remember you know, seeing just, that on your blog. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I love that. I'm just a big fan. I, you know, I want to try everybody, uh, everybody's new book. I want to knit, you know, 20 things out of everybody's book. And so I try I try every once in a while, you know, I have to just pack up all my personal knitting and, and put it away in a closet so I don't even see it because I really shouldn't be working on it. I should only be working on my my work knitting, but you know, it's what I like to do too as a hobby. So cool. I'm glad to do a little, I'm glad that like having this be your job hasn't ruined the hobby for you. You know, that you still enjoy it as, as both a work and a hobby. That's cool. Yeah. And I really do. I, I, it's just, um, part of my life. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's, that's all the questions I had for you, but thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast today. And I know that your schedule is really crazy and especially this week. So thanks for taking the time out to do it. Well, thank you for having me. And I love talking to you and I, I'm a big fan of yours and your patterns and your podcast. And I never miss an episode and I'm always drooling over your, whatever pattern you just released. So um, thank you. You do a fantastic job as well. Yeah, thanks. Okay, well, I look forward to talking to you soon, and I can't wait to see all the new projects that you were talking about. So that'll be really fun. Can't wait till those come out. Thank you. So if our conversation piqued your interest about Susan's awesome new book, Spud and Chloe at the Farm, you'll be happy to know that you have a chance to win a copy of your very own. Also, as this episode's sponsor, the Spud and Chloe Yarn Company has also donated the yarns needed to make both the Spud and Chloe character patterns from the book, along with a special Spud and Chloe-themed measuring tape and project bag. All of it, the supplies and the book, will be given to one fortunate knitter, so be sure to check my blog at nevernotknitting.com within the next few days. I'll be posting all of the drawing details so that you can enter to win. This is such a cute prize. You have to enter. So that pretty much wraps up episode 51. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I shared my tales of early pregnancy woes because I find the whole thing kind of humorous. I hope you did too, and I hope I didn't gross anyone out too much. In the next episode, I'll tell you more about my knitting projects, those current and also the patterns that were released over the break. There is just too much to catch you up on. I couldn't do it all in one sitting. As a reminder, the show notes for this episode... And every episode of Never Not Knitting can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. If you'd like to get in contact, please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. And also you can find me over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting. So I hope you'll join me back June 15th for episode 52. I have more fun things in store for you. I'll see you then. She won't even do the dishes The house plants, they're all dead Yeah, her needles are a-clickin' From morning until she goes to bed She won't take the time to brush her teeth Let's not even talk about her hair 
about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad Pop ramen again She just won't stop the stitching And the neighbors say it really is quite sad Nobody has clean laundry No pants, no shirts, no underwear But they have closets full of sweaters And more socks than they could ever wear There's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry even in the washer and dryer That's why She can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors Say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh is burning up in flames Her husband says Get up, let's go But she can't set down her project She says Just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad just won't stop her stitching And, well, she's losing all she had